Welcome to the Podcast of the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Tristan Hartley titled, No Cap, Generations Matter. This is a move. Let me tell y'all a story. We went to Winterfest this year, and uh, we didn't really go to Winterfest. It got canceled. We got there. We couldn't really, you know, the the event was canceled, so I didn't know what to do. I'm scrambling. I'm praying, Lord, what are we going to do about this? You know, I don't even know what to do right now. Like, our conference is canceled. We're going to be in our cabin like eight hours a day with stinky middle school boys. Like, I don't know what in the world I'm about to do right now. And we started planning out a service for that evening. And one of the songs that we played, one of the songs that was really like our anthem song that whole entire weekend was that this is a move. And you know something that the Holy Spirit reminded me? Just because my plans changed. Come on, who's had to change some plans in 2020 because of this pandemic? Come on, just because our plans were changed. He said, no, I'm not moved by your plans. My Holy Spirit's plans aren't dictated because of what yours are. No, my plans are still the same. I still remain the same. And I'm telling you, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know what plans have had to, you know, I don't know what's going on in your life. But I'm telling you this right now, that he can still move. He can still do whatever he wants to do in your life, despite what this pandemic may have caused, despite what you may be stressed about, what you may be worried about. And you're in the right place. This is a great place to start. This is a move. I believe God's doing something in this church I believe he's getting ready to move us. I believe he's getting ready to send us somewhere. I believe he's getting ready to do some stuff in this church. Come on, let's just give him one more hand clap of praise this morning. Yes, thank y'all so much, team. Lord, I'm good mind just let them go ahead and sing the rest of the service. Y'all be okay with that, right? That's some good stuff right there. You can be seated this morning. pastor is unfortunately uh, not with us this morning, but um, he, he, he called on me, right? So I'm here this morning. I'm very thankful. This is actually a very special week for Tara and I both. This week actually marks one year that we have been the student pastors here at Forest Hill. This week. So what a coincidence. What a coincidence that um, pastor has entrusted me behind this platform on our one-year mark, and we're very grateful for you, uh, for this church family, for just uh, wrapping us up for loving us, uh, for for taking care of us, uh, you know we've 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 been through a lot this year already, right? We've we've gotten the virus and we've gotten pregnant, so uh, we, you know this has been a big year for us, um, and we're very thankful that we've gotten to walk through this uh, with you guys as a church family. We love you. We love these kids here, man. I, I not anywhere else in the entire world I'd rather be than up there on a Wednesday night hanging out with those kids. Love it, love it, love it. So. I'm going to get started this morning. Before I do, I do want to just let you know and make you aware that I do understand that there's a fine line between a long, drawn-out sermon and a hostage situation. So um, I'm, I'm going to keep this thing short and sweet. Uh, I'm going to say my three points. I'm going to go sit down, and we'll meet you at the chicken buffet. Well, we can't do buffet because it's closed, but we'll meet you at the chicken place after church here in a little while. So I'm not going to take up much time this morning. I do want to tell you something, though, that, um, that I was really on my heart. And, of course, whenever the youth pastor gets up to preach, I'm fired up. I'm ready to talk about revival. I'm ready to talk about, you know, just going and blowing up this whole thing and, and, and this whole city with the, with the gospel and, and reaching it. But listen, I, I've got a special message on my heart this morning that I really believe that we need to hear. And it is very appropriate because of what day it is. Today is Heritage Day, Grandparents Day, uh, whatever you prefer to call it. And we're very thankful for all those who have gone before us to pave the way. Um, so I, I, am, I am grateful for that. But today I'm going to talk about a message, and it's called no cap. You'll see it on the screen. Um, no cap. Now, 
Listen, we're talking about generations this morning. We're talking about generations, and I'm here to tell you this morning that generations matter. Whether you're sitting next to, uh, well, there's no kids in here because they're all in kids' church, but whether you came with a kid from kids' church this morning, whether you're sitting beside of a teenager, and or whether you're sitting beside your adult son or daughter or whatever, generations matter. And I look across this sanctuary and I see multiple generations I see some who've been here much longer than I have, and I've see, I see some that have been here much shorter time than I have. One thing that's not I'm not trying to hide, I'm not trying to, um, you know, I guess get away from is that there are a lot of differences between generations. Can anybody amen me? Okay, listen, how about this, adults? Let me talk to you for a second. I, can, I cannot understand why middle school boys hate hygiene. I don't get it. We take them off to camp, we go and do something with them, and they, like, refuse to brush their teeth. Why? I don't, I don't get it, okay? I, I, I truly don't understand teenagers' mindset sometimes. Why is it an act of Congress to get a teenage boy to take a shower at youth camp? I don't know. That's above me. Or, or have you ever overheard like a middle school girl fight? Anybody ever overheard that? When they're fussing about just the most ridiculous things ever. It's like, come on now. Like, who, who got this hairstyle first? Or, or what? I don't even know what middle school girls fight about, it, honestly. It it's, it's, can be ridiculous sometimes, okay? How about high school boys when they're really trying to show out for a girl or something like that? You know, they put on their best. They're trying to be cool, all this stuff. Okay, listen, there are some vast differences in generations, and a lot of times we don't understand what they do. Okay, I'm, I'm pointing at them. That's my, that's my teenagers. I'm going to be pointing at them a lot, okay? A lot of times we don't understand those, but get this. On the flip side, guess what? Oftentimes, they don't understand things about the older generation either. They don't understand it. They don't get it. Like, for example, why is it, I wondered this for years, why is it that every time I walked in my grandparents' house, the news was on? I'm like, come on, they got action movies out, there's a football game on, and you're watching Fox News right now. I don't, I, I don't understand that, okay? That's something that's above me. Um, how about, how about um, when, guys, y'all can probably relate to this. There have been times, this is a big dilemma, okay, I'm telling y'all. There are times that I have given like a PlayStation controller to someone in the older generation and they look at it like it's like an alien object or something. They don't know how to use it. They don't understand there's two joysticks, okay? You move one with your person and you move the camera with the other one, okay? A lot of times I don't, well, how about this one? How about how women, y'all women, y'all love some sad love movies, how about some sad love movies? That's something that is above me. I don't understand why. I, Tara loves it, okay? Tara loves to sit down, and we'll get this love story on, and it's going through this whole drama of how they met, how they fell in love, and they probably broke up at some point, got back together, and in the end, something tragic always happens. You can call those movies like that. But, yeah, some people just love them, and I don't understand that, but it's true. Now, my title of this message is No Cap. Now, when I said this Wednesday night, I gave my teenagers a heads up. I'm like, all right, guys, I'm preaching the 11 o'clock. We're talking about No Cap. And immediately, they're all like, yo, that's awesome. Yeah, No Cap. That's awesome. All right, now, they get what it means. Raise your hand if you know what No Cap means. Does anybody know what No Cap means? There we go. Okay, no cap. All right. Now listen. What does that mean? It's it says it's like no hat, but it's you say it no cap, and it's a term used by by you know teenagers nowadays. And just a simple phrase like that can go to show us the vast differences from one generation to the next. There are some vast differences, but I'm going to talk about today. Even there are some similarities. Listen. 
We are different. I'm not trying to hide that, okay? We are different. The way we walk is different from one generation to the next. I'm not even talking about like a wide generational gap. I'm talking like my parents are here today, y'all. They're my parents right there. I'm even talking about like from me to them, okay? Like just 20 years. There's a, there's a huge gap in just generational preferences and the way we do things, okay? With each new generation comes new clothes, new music, new preferences and opinions, and every generation has has their own distinct style. You can hear a song and be like, hey, that's from the 80s. I know that type of music, right? That generation had a style. This generation has a style. Your generation has a very distinct style. It's like whenever you look at old pictures of, of you in high school, you're like, oh, why'd I wear that, okay? Or, or I look at baby pictures and I want to get on to mama. I'm like, why did you put me in that as a baby? Why? That, that's ridiculous. Because it was in style back then, okay? Just because it's not in style now doesn't mean it wasn't at one point. Um, even today, all right, listen, I was raised, my mama, I'm, I'm talking about you, mama, so calling you out. My mama wake me up every, every Sunday morning for church. Guess what? I'd wear a button-up, even though I hated buttons on my shirt. We'd wear a button-up and khakis every Sunday morning, okay? Didn't matter what, I was wearing a khakis and a, khakis and a button-up. Never changed, okay? Now, it was every church event that we could ever possibly do. Nowadays, have you been to a youth conference in the past five to ten years? Okay, a youth conference looks way different now than, than button-up and khakis. Youth conferences look, cr okay, I don't know what, I mean, listen, it's, it's wild. You're going to walk into, if you're, if you're walking into a youth conference, you're going to walk into a black room. There are going to be a lot, there are going to be skinny jeans. There are going to be these big baggy shirts that sometimes favor more like a blouse than a shirt, okay? Uh, and then you're going to see some old shoes. You're going to see some, some, some crazy hats, okay? Their style is very, very different, even from when I was a kid, very, very very different, all right? So listen, though, with each generation comes different styles and preferences, even the communication, the way we talk. I've got some, I've got some points coming up here. Listen, no cap. That's one, for example, no cap. What does that mean for us, even me, because I didn't understand it till uh, not long ago, no cap just means for real. Simply means for real. Like if you're saying, um, I said generations matter, no cap. Like for real, no lie, generations really do matter. Okay, what about lit? Has anybody ever heard lit? L-I-T. Lit means simply awesome. Okay, if you hear a, if you hear a teenager say that's lit, they're gonna that means that's awesome. That's really cool. How about uh, W-B-U? You'll see it there on that list. That simply means what about you? It's an abbreviation. Okay, sick. No, we're not talking about the coronavirus. Not talking about put your mask up. No, sick to this to these teenagers means simply cool. It's like I, I don't understand that one. That one's way above me. It baffles me. Why somebody be like, bro? Those are some sick shoes. What? Like I don't even know what you're talking about right now. No, it means they're cool. All right. So if they call you sick, they're saying you're cool. It's a good thing. How about full send? Anybody ever heard full send? Full sins means just not holding back, okay? We pick on Pastor Chad about that all the time. Pastor Chad loves to just go full sin, and he don't, he don't hold back, okay? He's just going for it, 100%. That's full sin. Okay, and now this one baffles me too. Nowadays, you know, have you ever looked on your emojis on your phone? There are like 20 different laughing emojis. None of those are good enough for, for teenagers. They have to go and find this one that's a, it's a skull, and it, they use that to say funny. Like if you tell a funny joke, they'll send a skull, and it's just like a representation of a funny joke. I don't get it. I don't understand, and sometimes probably I don't want to understand, okay? But you can probably agree with me that if you have teenage grandkids or kids, you can probably agree teenagers can be weird. Is anybody with me on that? 
Listen, I, I, as their pastor, I'm telling you, and I'm up there with them a lot. I spend a lot of time with you. Teenagers can be weird. That's why I love them, though, okay? That's why it's fun, but they can be. And I'll tell you something else, too, something else that's very vastly different between each generation is the style that each generation prefers church. That's a big one. That's one that really we can use as a tool to reach very, very many people, but the enemy wants to deceive people and use it as a dividing factor between generations. And it's just their style. Like I said, there are so many different styles. They have another preference for how they, um, you know, just, just maybe worship or maybe pray or maybe their song selection, okay? It's different. It's their preference. Listen to this verse right here. It's uh, 1 Samuel 1, 12 through 14. And I'm going to read it real quick. And it says, And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. Now this is talking about Hannah, the mother of Samuel, before she had Samuel. And what she's doing is she is really upset, uh, struggling because she cannot have children. So she, you know, very consistently goes into the temple and presses in. She prays. She worships. Has anybody ever had an issue in your life? Maybe it's a, uh, uh, you know, a loved one, a son or daughter who's lost, who's not saved, okay? And you just, you're passionately, you pray about them. You carry them to these altars. It's an issue that you're all, you, you, you come up here, you take to God very frequently, okay? This is an issue that she really, really went to God about. She was in the altars praying about it. She was pressing in about this. But Eli did not understand it. See, she was doing this just out of desperation. She didn't care what the model of that church looked like. She was going to do whatever it took. She was going to do absolutely anything to reach the kingdom. She wanted to reach God and petition to him to please let me have a son. And it said that the priest of the church, Eli, he was the priest, said that it looked like she was drunk. So he goes over and confronts her and says, listen, you've got to put this wine away. You're drinking in church. Like, nah, no go. You are... You're out of your mind. You've got to stop this. Hannah is not drunk. Hannah is just worshiping and praying, and it's outside of the box that he's used to seeing. It's just different. Okay, she, she, she obviously reached God because he ended up giving her Samuel, but it was not the same way that Eli thought she should have went into the presence. It was not the same exact way. It was a little bit different. And that's okay because I remember in Acts 2, whenever 120 came down from the upper room and there were thousands of people around ridiculing them, saying they look drunk also, saying they look crazy. I don't know what's wrong with them. Nothing was wrong with them. They had the Holy Ghost. It just looked different. Say different, different. Between generations, generational gaps, there are some differences, okay? And it's okay. It's okay because, um, listen, I think that I don't think we should just assume just because someone is operating outside of the box of tradition that it cannot be God. The Bible proves us this time and time and time again. The truth is that people are subject to change. We are. People change, okay? People change. Ask these teenagers right after high school, okay? You change a lot right after you graduate. You, you already know this, okay? People are subject to change, and the church who is made up of people sometimes will experience change. However, 
You cannot forget the one factor, the one thing that unites us all, the one thing that we do all have in common. It doesn't change from generation to generation. It's not different for a a kid in kids' church as it is for a senior adult in senior adult Bible study. The one factor that we all have that never changes is the Lord Jesus. He does not change. He is not subject to change. It is not in his nature to change. He can create change. He can cause you to change. He himself, the Bible gives gives us a promise that he will not change. It says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not subject to change. So listen, if we are revolving around Jesus, people will change. He will not. So I believe that it is our call and our duty as a church body to keep everything that we do, whether it's the kids hall, whether it's the youth group, whether it's Chad having praise team practice, everything we do revolves around the one unchanging hand who looks out for us, who's protecting us, and who is carrying us every step of the way, but don't be so focused on the bait that we never catch any fish. Don't be so focused on the bait that you never catch any fish. But let me tell you something. My point number two is this. Don't, guys, I'm not talking to the, I'm not talking to my teenagers right now. I'm talking to you guys. Talking to some church people real quick. Church people, do not lose your shout. Do not lose your shout. Listen, I know, I I was raised in a church, I remember being a a little kid, and I would lay right under, let's see, we sat on this side of the church, I remember laying under this pew right here, we sat second row, I laid under that pew right there, and saw people feet dancing in these altars, people falling out in the spirit in these altars, I don't forget that, I actually remind myself of that quite often, okay, listen, these children, these kids, these youth, the kids in the kids hall, they cannot afford for you to lose your shout, I love this generation. Listen, I'm in, I'm in this thing. I, I'm a youth pastor. I'm probably going to be a youth pastor till I'm too old to be a youth pastor. I'll probably be 50 years old and be a youth pastor if they let me. It's okay. Um, I love, love these students. I love teenagers. It's my passion. I love to just get in there because you know why? I can be goofy with them and it's like whatever. But if I'm goofy out here, it's, I don't know. I just, I feel like a big kid sometimes. But in there, I just feel right at home. I can, I can goof off. I can cut up. Okay, listen, I love this generation of students with a passion, but I'm going to tell you a secret about them. I'm going to tell you a secret. You probably already know, but I'm going to tell you something. If you don't know this, this generation, and it's sometimes good and it's sometimes bad, this generation, I'm saying, I guess this generation, you can say 25 and under, loop me in on that. This generation is moved by their emotions. They are very emotional driven people. They are, I mean, very much so. I mean, of course, there are some people who are not, but for the most part, this generation is moved by their emotions. Many times, their emotional reaction to maybe a good song or maybe a cool event will drive them. This is the good part, okay? It will drive them to want to create change in their life. Whenever you just have the atmosphere set really good at a place like Winterfest or when they when we carry them off to youth camp, okay, the atmosphere is set. It's really, it's really awesome. It looks cool, okay? And they're emotional driven, so when they're excited... That gets them excited and it drives them to change. 
It makes them, it, it initiates and really, uh, uh, I guess, uh, exponentiates their, their change. It will thrust them forward to making a decision and propel them to, uh, to do more. Their passion and emotions often cause them to stand up for what they believe in. And a lot of times, that's whenever you'll see them the strongest. That's when you'll see them stand the most firm. Whenever they're passionate about something. You find, if you want to do something right by a teenager, find something they're passionate about and drive them to it. I often tell them that what they're passionate about now is more than likely something God's calling them in to do. Because your passion will drive you to do things that other th- that things that you do without passion you would not do. You would not go to the same extent of, of pressure or, or level of emotion if you were not passionate about something. Passion drives them to, to seek change, to stand up for what is right. Their passion is powerful in this generation. However, unfortunately, there's a flip side to this. There's a big flip side to this. On the flip side... Sometimes their negative emotions can overrule every other thing happening in their life. Sometimes when something bad happens to a student, come on, I know students who have had the best home life possible known to every man, and somebody will pick on them at school and they will, they will you know, suffer from it dearly. Okay, everything else around them is great, but this one thorn that's just picking at their side will cause them a downfall if we're not careful, okay? A couple bad experiences could spiral a student into depression. One test could cause a student to suffer severe amounts of anxiety, okay? Uh, uh, one ungodly relationship can, end to, can lead students into a lifelong battle with self-esteem issues. Okay, I'm telling you this because, I, I, I mean, we deal with this stuff daily. Uh, there's just, you know, things that you look back and you're like, well, that, you know, it was a silly fight at school that doesn't matter but to a teenager everything is put under a microscope and everything is just is just bigger than what it seems to be because their emotions get involved because you know a lot of times when you get older you get more mature you can sort of step out of situations and you can you know kind of look at the bigger picture but to them it's like in the moment right now this is happening to me and this is the worst thing possible known to man ever in the history of humanity okay that's i mean it's it's so little things can be so big in their life because they're operate out of their emotions they're emotional driven let me tell you something this generation may be may, and maybe you uh, you're you're moved by your emotions but let me tell you somebody who's not moved by your emotions let me remind you of somebody the same one i talked about a while ago who doesn't you know he cares about how you feel but how you feel doesn't dictate him. He doesn't change because of what you feel like. He doesn't change because you've had a bad day. He doesn't change because your family's being torn apart right now. He's still who he is. And the thing is, is that we get our minds distracted from that and we only see our situation. And then I have kids all the time tell me, well, all this is happening right now, so God must not be for me. God's not here for me. God, I don't hear him right now. I don't know where he's at because I'm struggling right now. Well, it's because they're in their emotions in that moment and not looking at the bigger picture, not seeing God's hand all over their life guiding them to where they are right now. It may not be good right now. It may be a valley right now, but guess what? He never promised that the cross would not get heavy or the hill would not be hard to climb. But he did, and the end of the song says that he will always, help will always come in time, okay? They just need to be able to endure. And that's a lot of what I do as a pastor whenever they're upset. We just have to empower them enough to, to basically endure long enough so they can see God come through for them because he will. Come on, has God ever come through for you in something? Whenever you couldn't see him, whenever you didn't think he was there, he still always finds a way to come through. Have you ever been, how about this? We'll be transparent with each other. Have you ever been through a 
a time where you didn't know God was there. You didn't feel him there for you. Okay, you may be in a valley, all right? That's, that happens sometimes, but it's so key to understand he doesn't change, and he's not in the valley with you. He's the arm stretched down trying to pull you out. Listen to this, okay? This is kind of my church story. I did not have a solid youth group growing up. Whenever I was a teenager, I didn't have a solid youth group. You, you know, I didn't have opportunities to serve in my church. Um, I know we've got lots of students who serve in multiple areas, in the kids' hall, in the media department, okay? Lots of, of, of teenagers and students are serving in multiple areas areas in this church. I didn't have those opportunities. I didn't have a, a solid youth group. We would get together and do and do like word searches on Wednesday nights. Or I was like 17, not 17, I was like 15 years old coloring David and Goliath, okay? I did, it, was not, it was not solid, okay? I didn't have that. I didn't have all this uh, stuff. Um, I did not have mission trips to go on, community outreaches to do. But let me tell you what I did have. I'm not going to focus on what I didn't have. Let me tell you what I did have. I did go into church Sunday mornings, and I would have some seasoned saints sitting around me that would guide me up to the altar when I needed prayer. What I did have is some grandparents who knew how to pray. What I did have was some people in my church who weren't afraid to shout. What I did have were some people filled with the Holy Ghost who weren't afraid to act like it either. Uh, what I did have is some people who would come to the altar with me, pray with me, labor with me, would walk through life with me. I didn't have a solid youth program, and that's okay, guess what? I still, I mean, I guess I made it. I'm, I'm here, I guess. Okay, but I didn't have all this. I didn't have this a, a solid program to just totally invest in. But what I did have is some senior adults who poured into me. Listen, senior adults. Listen, you ain't got to be senior adult. Listen, 30-year-old. Listen, 20-year-old. I don't know what, I don't know if you have any influence over some teenagers or kids or not, but get some. Find you a teenager, find you somebody, and start pouring into them. And even more than that, you know what helps them more than anything? To see you worship. We want to, you know, listen, oh, Lord, help me. I don't want to go here. Um, listen, I know there are lots and lots of, of complaints about, about how they do church, about how they dress, about how they act about things. Let me tell you what fixes that. You showing them right here in this room on Sunday mornings how they ought to worship, how they ought to press in, how they ought to reach the throne room, how they ought to pray how they ought to believe by faith that they're going to be healed. That's how we do it. That's how we change it. That's how we influence them. Don't lose your shout. Don't lose it. Don't let it stay in the past. Why? Because they need it. They need your shout. They need the Holy Ghost that you got. They need what you've been through. They need to hear you talk about your experiences. Oh, help me. Listen, my, my grandparents are another reason. I had some godly grandparents. I would, I'd get off the school bus there, and I'd walk into my parents' uh, dining room, and, and my papa, he'd be sitting there with his Bible open, just reading, just studying the Word. A man who couldn't even read for most of his life, learned how to read so he could read the Bible and take notes and, and learn more. I remember laying in the living room. I'd get up out of my bed way past bedtime. I guess not my living room, my grandparents' living room. I'd get Whenever I'd spend the night with them, I'd get up way late like past my bedtime, and I'd go in there and watch TV you know being a little rebel I guess and um, I remember being in that living room and on the other side of the house my grandparents bedroom was and I remember hearing my grandmother call my name in prayer just, just pleading to God please save them please protect them God I see your anointing on him just let it keep growing let him keep growing in you God protect him for what's coming she would pray for all of our lost family members God right now just save them I don't know where they're at but God you do and I know you can save them she would cry out 
out. I didn't learn how to pray in youth group. I didn't even learn how to pray in kids' church. You know where I learned how to pray? About 12 o'clock in my grandmother's living room, listening to her through the walls. Listen, church, these kids, I promise you, I'm doing my very best to teach them. I'm not telling you I'm not. But what I am saying that their best teacher could be you in this room every Sunday morning, just sitting in this room with some seasoned saints who have been there. I've been there. I've been in his presence. I've been changed. I've seen mountains move. I've been in revival. You've seen mountains move. You've been healed. You've seen revival. Guess what? They haven't. And it's time that we start getting it back, Don't not losing our shout for them so they can experience a life-changing encounter, so they can get what we've had. I've been there. We've got to do this. My entire life, I told the Lord, is devoted on getting them where I've been in my own personal life. Where I go in my prayer life, I want to show them how to get there. That's what I do. That's what I'm going to continue to do. Listen, I've got, I've got to hurry. My Lord, I've got to hurry. The race. Has anybody ever watched like a big race and uh, where they hand off the baton to the next runner? Like it's like the, like, I don't know, probably the 500 kilometer race or whatever. And there's like multiple racers and they're in their stance and they're on a line and they're waiting for that next runner to come and pass the baton to them. And they pass the baton and as soon as you, as soon as you touch that baton, you, you start running too. All right. That's a lot of times how we think that this goes in church. We think that we just hold the baton and we, or we run with the baton long enough to pass it to the next generation. And when we're too old and when we're too tired, we pass it off and we go on. I've come by to tell somebody this morning, you are not called to pass your baton. You are called to hand it and keep your hand on it as they grab their hand on it and run this thing together. You think God's not moving in your life? You want to see him do more? Hand the baton to somebody younger than you. Hand the baton to somebody older than you. I believe that when we run the race together, we see the most happen. Listen to this, okay? This is Psalms 127. I've got to go. Psalms 127, 4 and 5. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but speak with their enemies at the gate. Brian Cutshaw, he's a, he's a great teacher. Uh, he wrote a book called Bows and Arrows. Here's an excerpt from his teaching. And uh, it says... In in the verse, he states that children are a heritage from the Lord. Before moving on, we've got to understand that heritage, heritage day, right? That's pretty cool. Heritage is something that is passed down between generations. It's where we get the word inheritance. Heritage literally means passing from one generation to the next. He is identifying that that generation is the natural conduit of legacy and perpetuation. There is no no one from the generation, if there is no one from this generation carrying on our work, it means that it dies with me. Not only does it die, but it never gets the chance to grow into what God intended it to be, and it remains stuck as a memorial of my past and not an influence in my current era. What did I just say? Pretty much that if we're not running the race with someone with together with someone younger than us, if we're not running with a hand hand in hand on that baton, then it may pos- it, it, Lord help that it dies with me. I don't want what God's doing in me. I don't want what he's done through me to die with me. I want one of them to carry it with them and keep running with it. Listen to this. There is no success without a successor and there is no legacy without an heir. Here's a beautiful picture of what I'm talking about. In John 23 through 6, then Peter and the other disciples jumped up and ran to the, to the tomb to go see for themselves. They started out together, but the one disciple outran Peter and reached the 
the tomb first. He did not enter the tomb. That's important. He did not. The other disciple did not enter the tomb, but he just peeked in and only barely saw the linen clothes laying there. Then Peter came behind him and went right into the tomb, and he noticed the clothes lying there. There are two proven facts about this uh, passage. The other disciple was John. Peter, at this point, is an old man. Peter is older at this point in the story, and John is a young man. Most uh, most believe he's probably teenage to early 20s uh, years old. So, now listen, John had the speed. John ran, and he got to the tomb. He's like, yeah, I, I got here. I'm fastest, okay? But then Peter got there. He didn't go in the tomb. Peter got there, and guess what? They went in together. Just because one generation can outrun the other one, I'm telling you, the, the, the best way to enter into the presence of the Lord is when we enter together. I believe that we have to go together. Something incredible happens when you combine two generations. You get speed and wisdom, bows and arrows. Arrows, the Bible compares kids to arrows in, in Psalms 127. An arrow travels far and fast. The arrow is sleek and designed to be thrust at a target at a distance and to stop the enemy before he even gets close. The arrow stretches the bow, and though it causes tension, the bow will be able to guide the arrow in the correct direction. Bows, bows are not designed for direct combat, but instead they are designed to project the arrow to the target. The bow is tried and true. Its tension has been tested, and the bow has, and, and the bow has felt the pressure and tensions of life uh, and is still standing. The arrow represents the next generation, and the bow represents tried and true wisdom of the senior saints. Let me tell you something. A bow, and Chad, you can get ready to come, you and your team. Listen, the bow and arrow is a weapon that has been around for a, a very long time because it was one of the very first inventions that you could literally attack your enemy before he was even close to you, okay? Be way far away, you shoot an arrow, boom. You know, even hunters, whatever. Listen, a bow, it doesn't matter. It, it's still there. I have a bow at, back home in Ramburn where I'm from that's so old. I mean, it's still there, though, and I guarantee it could shoot something if I tried. Bows are tried and true. They're sturdy. All right? that, that's what they're for. They're for aiming. You hold up a bow and you aim at the direction that the arrow needs to go. Okay, you can't fight an enemy with just a bow. He's going to be right on you. You can't fight an enemy with just an arrow. They're going to come right up on you before you can do anything. You can't throw an arrow very good, right? It's going to hit the ground or go off somewhere, but you need both. I'm telling you right now, church, the church needs both generations. We need older bows who can guide and direct, who can teach, who can be sturdy and strong, who have a foundation that has not been moved. And then we need some younger arrows who can just, who can launch forth into the community, into this world, who can usher in change, but they need your direction. What good is a bow without arrows and an arrow without Without bows. If you're trying to fight your battles with only one, the enemy will be at your gate before you know it. You want to you want to know what's going on in your life? You want to stop what the enemy's trying to do for you? Get a bow, get you an arrow, and we're going to fight the enemy. He can't get close to us when we operate together in unison. Listen, I don't know why in the world the Lord's been doing this with me, but all summer long, I ta we taught a series called Family. We still talk about family on Wednesday nights, and I'm just about, I am all for the unity of the body of Christ. Is anybody with me? Come on, is anybody just for the unity of the body? Man, I love it. I am for the unity. And I asked myself why as I was preparing for this. Why am I for the unity? And you know what my answer is? Because he's, the Lord Jesus has always, 
always promoted unity. From the very beginning, he's promoted unity. And then this verse right here says, until the very end, there will be unity because it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Say all flesh. All flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall dream drizzen, shall dr- see visions. There we go. Lord, help me. Listen, it's been about unity, about the church coming together. It's all, listen, the, 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 God, he literally separated all the tribes when they created the Tower of Babel. After Jesus, guess what? He sent another one after him, after Jesus resurrected, to bring people back together. Why, what did he unite them with? The Holy Spirit. He gave us one language again. He gave us one spirit again. He's in all of us. He's here in this room for everybody. He's unifying us once again. Jesus is about unity and generations matter generations matter. We can't let little differences between age groups keep us from doing what we're called to do, being the church, bringing change, and doing what we're called to do. Generations matter. Y'all can stand up with me. Let me remind you, I'm, I'm closing to this morning. We may be different in many ways, but let me remind you what I said earlier. He is the common denominator. His spirit will be poured out on all of us. It doesn't say that some knees shall bow. It doesn't say that some tongues shall confess. But it says every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. That what? Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, that's why I'm here. I am here for one purpose only, and that's to tell you that Jesus Christ is Lord, and He cares about generations. He cares about us coming together. Lord, I've seen Him move in my past, and I'm telling you right now, if we could understand this concept, we're going to see Him move more than we could ever imagine in our future. I'm telling you right now that if we would come together, we're going to see him move mountains. There are some, there's some things going on in our community. There are some things going on in this world that if the church is not battling against, nobody is. And just, the, just because the church stays silent on issues doesn't mean the enemy will. And I'm telling you right now, seasoned saints, this generation needs you. They need your shout. They need you to be there for them. They need you to guide them and to, the, to direct them. You may say, Pastor Tristan, I really don't know what to do. I don't teach a class. I don't do that. You don't have to. I told you all you have to do is come in here and passionately seek God. You've been in his presence. Call him down. We know it's by worship that he comes and fills this place. Enter in in his worship. Bring them with you. If you see them at the altar, come and pray with them because I'm telling you, they're going to come pray with you at the altar too. It's about doing this thing together. Who's in this thing together? Y'all with me? I know, listen, I know I'm the student pastor. I know I had, I know what y'all thinking. I know what y'all are thinking. He had to go and talk about the youth group because he's the youth pastor. Maybe so, that may be true, but I'm telling you the Lord put this on my heart. I'm telling you the Lord put this on my heart. And I just feel that in my spirit that we need to come together. Why? Because I... I'm telling you guys, I promise, I feel like God's getting ready to do something in this church. We talk about it as a staff, just the, just we feel just the stirring. We feel the, the Holy Spirit getting ready to do something. 
And I'm telling you, we can do this thing separate or we can do this thing together. And when we do this thing together, I believe that we're going to enter in together. We're going to see him move together. We're going to see this next generation raised up. Listen, we got some men of God sitting right over there. We're sending three through cams this semester. I'm telling you right now, God's moving in this generation and he's not done moving in your generation. Together, together, together. We're going to meet the enemy before he even gets to our gate. We're going to defeat the enemy before he even has a chance to do anything. Why? Because we're going to work together. We're going to pray together. We're going to worship together. We're going to love one another together. Are y'all with me on that? Y'all okay with this message this morning? Does this make sense? I know I make sense to 14 and 13 year olds, so I'm sure I make sense to y'all. Um, but listen, I, I, I'm just here. I, I want to do an altar call. I want to just, but not really an altar call. I, what I want to do is I just want to invite you in a moment of worship. I want to invite you. I talked about this Wednesday night, and we're going to close, okay? I promise uh, the chicken place is going to close down soon. I promise you this. Um, well, not Wednesday night, we talked, uh, and, and I talked to the kids a little bit for a brief moment, and I talked about just creating your moment. I talked about creating your moment with the Lord because our weeks get busy, because our, our schedules get stressful, our jobs are tiresome. We come in and we're just we're wore out. Sometimes it's even hard to get up and come to church on Sundays. You just want to sleep in, right? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. But listen, I believe it's important to not miss a moment when we get in situations like this, when we come and we get in the presence of the Lord. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you. You can do it right there from your seat. You're welcome. My, the, the students, they love to come down to the front for stuff. But listen, I want to just invite you to create a moment right now, right in this place, right in his presence. I know he's here. I just want you to lift your hands with me as Pastor Chad goes into worship. And let's create our moment with him this morning. Come on, let's not miss another moment with him. Let's not go home without just spending a little bit more time with him in this place. Can you do that? Yeah, Lord, I thank you and I love you. Jesus, I believe with all of my heart that you are about generations and you're working in generations. Lord, you are the one. You work in multiple generations. You're doing something in the students now. You're doing something in senior adults right now. You're doing something in, in, in middle-aged adults right now, God. You can move and you can work in all generations. And I believe that it is your end goal to call your church together in unity, not as, not as one group and another group and another group, but your church, the church of Jesus. Lord, that's going to come together and we're going to see mountains move. I believe we're going to see revival come. I believe we're going to see think miracles happen. You're not done with miracles yet, Lord. For somebody in this room praying for their son or daughter to come back to the Lord, God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will move on their situation. Lord, for a student right now who don't, Lord, they're, they're afraid to walk back into school this week. Lord, they're having a tough situation with some people at school. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, you're working it right now we can't see it we don't know it but you're working Jesus oh whatever we need of this one you say I am the I am Lord I thank you Lord I love you you're so good to us 
thank you for moving in this church this morning, God. Thank you for this message, Lord, that you've given us this morning, Lord. It's something to think about. It's something to take home. It's something to really, it's, God, I believe it's a call to action. It's a call to action that if somebody's not giving their all for the next generation, if, a, if, if young people aren't trying to lean into the older generation, God, I pray it's a call to action that we would change that, Lord, that we would be purposeful, that we would, Lord, just do things with intention, God. We would be intentional about being a cross-generational church that worships together. Lord, we're very intentional about that as a staff with our with our music, God, with, ever, with our plans. Lord, what we do, we have multiple generations in mind when we do things. Lord, I just believe that's, that's because of who you are. That's because of who you are. Lord, I love you. And I thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name I pray. And everybody in this wonderful church says, amen. Come on, are you glad this morning? Are you glad this morning? Do you have joy this morning? I'm, listen, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I want you to know that, that we love you. I want you to know that if you're going through something, teenagers, if you're going through something, you're not doing it by yourself. That's something I've learned in my year of being here, that whenever Tara and I are going through something, if we ever need anything, I know that we have a church here that loves us and who's for us. And I just want to remind you, if you're in this room and you don't feel like anybody's there for you, you don't feel like anybody's got your back, you've got a church who's got your back. No matter what your preference is, no matter what, uh, no matter what kind of style you like, we've got your back, and we're here for you. I love you guys. I'm dismissing you. Be blessed. We love you, and I hope to see you back next week. Come on, can we just give the Lord another hand clap of praise this morning? Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, go, go and air high five and greet somebody younger or older than you, whatever. Go greet somebody from the next generation because generations matter. Thanks, guys. We love y'all. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you are blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org, join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.